If you have a Bible, go to Romans, please. Romans 8. We started a a message last week that I'm going to finish this week, and we talked about declaring war uh, in 2020, talking about declaring war on sin. And I read Romans 8, a good portion of that last Sunday. And uh, I want to do a similar thing, if I can, uh, today, but let me just do a quick... uh, um, uh, well, let me read the text and then, then we'll review. In Romans eight twelve, it says this. This is page 944 if you use one of the Bibles provided for you there. It says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Okay, so obviously we're picking up kind of in the middle of a thought here. Uh, he's talking about how that we have positionally, uh, we don't have to fear any condemnation from Jesus or from God if we're believers in Jesus, if we're followers of Jesus. He says, because God did something that the law couldn't do. The law could only expose sinfulness. It couldn't solve sinfulness. And so it says that, that, but we don't have to be of the flesh if the Spirit of God dwells in us. So it says, we're debtors not to the flesh, but to live according to the Spirit, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deed to the body, you will live. And so this is kind of what we were talking about last week of this idea of putting to death the deeds of the flesh or deeds of the body, this idea of sinful choices that we make. Because while we are, uh, uh, if we're a believer in Christ, we, are, uh, we can have assurance of forgiveness and assurance of salvation. Uh, that's Romans 8.1. The, the, idea, the, the, the reality, though, is that we still have a sin nature that is inside of us, a sin nature that dwells inside of us that we fight against every day. Every day we fight against this. And so last week we talked about some motivation for declaring war on sin, and I'm not going to re-preach the sermon, and so you can listen to it online, if, uh, or if you want to see my notes, I'd be happy to give them to you. But we also talked about cautions, and I did want to highlight one caution, though, and that is confusing justification with sanctification. Remember, justification is the legal standing before God because of Jesus' work on the the cross. And so that is our being declared not guilty, even though we are guilty. That's justification. It it happens completely in this lifetime. It, It takes us away from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, though, and that's really what we're talking about last week and this week, sanctification is us living up to the name that we have in Christ, okay? So it's being uh, removed from the pollution or, or the, uh, uh, the effects of sin in our life. That's what we're talking about of declaring war on. We're not talking about declaring war on sin and as such so that we can make ourselves worthy enough to be saved. That's wrong theology. What we are saying is that we're declaring war on sin if we are justified, if we already have believed in Christ, so that we can live a life that is worthy of the gospel, as Paul wrote. And this is what he's talking about, putting the death of the deeds of the body by the Spirit. Okay, so I want to make sure that we understood that. If, if the, the difference between justification and sanctification. 
Hebrews 10, 14 says this. You can kind of see both of these concepts in this one verse here. For by a single offering, he has perfected, this is Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So can you see from that verse how you have both justification and sanctification there? Okay, by a single offering, what Jesus did on the cross, he has perfected for all time. That's justification. That's being declared not guilty. That is our position before God in Christ. But those who are being present tense, continual, it's a process being sanctified. So every believer here, if you're a believer in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, Two things should be true of you. Number one, that you're justified. If you're a believer in Christ, that is true. The second is that you are being sanctified. And remember we said last week that you cannot become more justified in 2020, but you must become more sanctified in 2020. Because sanctification has nothing with us getting into heaven, but it's a result of our position in Christ. Okay, so I want to make sure that that's really in our small group. We talked about that last week a little bit. I want to make sure that that distinction is crystal clear because if we confuse the two, we're going to lead, that's going to lead to a moral moral life of, of just trying to earn God's favor, of trying to earn salvation, trying to earn enough points with God so that he tips the scales and lets us into heaven when we die. And that is not what the scriptures teach at all. Okay, so this is the reason why it's so important that we get this, this together. What I want to talk about this week is I want to talk about God's strategy for sanctification. And so we see elements of this in this text here, and then we're going to look at some other texts as well. But this is the one sentence I would like us to think about, to meditate on, to consider throughout this message over the next few minutes that we have uh, today. And I don't have my normal timer on the monitor here of letting me know how long I've talked. And so Wendy is going to tell me when I've reached the time I've told her. So if I go too long, it's her fault. So, all right, here is what, uh, 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 what I want us to think about. Killing sin, do you love how I just throw people under the bus like that? Okay, killing sin is a lifelong battle of spirit-dependent effort, okay? This is what we're going to unpack for the next few minutes, that killing sin, the declaration of war that I'm asking us to do, I'm asking myself to do, I've been meditating on this, I've been thinking about this, and I'm asking you to think along with me, is this, that killing sin is a lifelong battle of spirit-dependent effort, That's what we're going to talk about. Let's pause. Let's pray. Let's ask God's guidance and his his enablement as we look at this. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we cannot look at your word without asking for your enablement. We we dare not um, uh, act like this is just a a talk to give, and then we move on with the rest of our lives, or this is a, a, a word to hear, and then we just move on. This is your word. This is, this is your teaching, and I want to make sure that, that I, I'm clear to what you are trying to say here, and the only way that that can happen is by your spirit to, to, to guide me and to, to help me choose the right words to say, and and Father, I pray that all of us will be able to put aside distractions for a little bit. I thank you for the reminder of, of that we don't need uh, technology to, to worship you. Thank you that we can, 
we can uh, worship you in a very simple way, and it is, it is pleasing to you. It's, a su- it's like a, a sweet-smelling sacrifice, an offering to you uh, when we sing praises to you. And it doesn't matter if we have screens. It doesn't matter if we have all those types. The only thing that matters is that we are worshiping you. And so thank you for your spirit guiding us in that. Now, Father, I pray for this time that you would guide as well and that you would receive all glory and all honor. God, we need you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. So killing sin is a lifelong battle of spirit-dependent effort. So let's look at this first part, that how it is a lifelong battle. Now, there's a couple dangers I want us to avoid in this today. As, as we're talking about killing sin, we're talking about declaring war on sin. There's some, there's some dangers that we can avoid, that we, ha- we must avoid if we're going to uh, be involved in this lifelong battle. And the first one, the first danger is forgetting that we're even at war. The forgetting that we're in a war, that every day is a battle. First. Uh, Peter uh, chapter one says, or excuse me, chapter five, verse eight says, "Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour." Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so the scriptures are very clear that we are at war, that all of us are in a battle every day. But the problem is, is that we don't have a wartime mentality all the time. The problem is, is that we adopt a peacetime mentality. And if we forget that we're in a fight, then we're going to get taken advantage of. If we forget that we're at war, we're not going to be vigilant. We're not going to be uh, 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 seeing the attacks or seeing the, the, uh, the effect that sin is having on us. But if we understand that, that, that we are in a battle every day, uh, a battle for our soul, that there are people and there are forces, that uh, we have an indwelling sin inside us that wants to trip us up because of our broken nature, that God is over time changing and ultimately will completely change. But if we don't understand that we're in a battle, we are in a very dangerous spot. You know, I was thinking this in terms of military, and I thought of this, that an effective military strategy is to convince your opponent that you're not a threat, or better yet, that you're not even at war. And that's what indwelling sin seeks to do to your heart. The, the sin that we carry around in us, it seeks to, to convince us that it's not that bad or it's not that big of a deal or it's not really harmful to us. It's not a threat at all to us. It doesn't have our demise in mind. That's what we're dealing with here. And you say, Jeremy, you, you, you seem kind of amped up about this. You kind of seem like this is a big deal. It is a big deal. And the more I'm studying this, the more I'm looking at this, the more I'm looking at my own heart, the more I'm saying that these are things that we have to constantly fight against. And we've got to declare war in 2020. You know, we had these cards, and this is going to be part of the homework. We had these cards, and there's more on the table out there. We're going to ask you to fill some out. And, and I'm grateful for those of you who have already turned some of these in. And, and, and we'll, we'll probably post them. We're not going to post the actual cards, but we'll, we'll write up some of the things that were written and submitted. And of course, it's all anonymous, and we have no idea who's 
submitted what, uh, and it's better that way. But we're going to pray for some of these things. And I really appreciate the transparency of some of the things that people are sharing that you're struggling with, that, it, it, that we are struggling with every day. And the reason why I wanted to do that is because sometimes we think sins are out there, or we think that the problem or the danger is out there, and we don't realize that we're carrying it around with us. But if we can look and see this is what we're all struggling with, and it's not to look down on anyone because we're all struggling with stuff. And, 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 it's, and it's terrible, but we got a God who's willing to forgive, and he's willing to sanctify us. And there's a strategy to deal with that. Part of it is being to remember that we are at war. You know, um, picture of a lion here. You know, the, the enemy was called in First Peter, he was a lion who walks around seeking someone to devour. No one here, at least I don't think, no one here would think to have a pet lion in their house. You know, maybe, maybe there's someone here that's crazy enough. But for, for most of us, we would, there's no way in the world we would think about wanting a lion sitting. You imagine you're sitting at your dinner table and you're eating everything, and you kind of hear something, and the other one goes, oh, that's our lion, you know. And he just comes walking into the, the living room. You have friends over. What are they going to do? They see a lion walking in, right? Okay? It's going to be scary. It's going to be terrifying, right? No one, no one wants it. Lions are strong. They are majestic. They are ferocious. And we know that if it comes between me and the lion, it's going to be the lion, okay? I wish it was the same in the NFL, but it's not, okay? All right? Some of you will get that reference of my Detroit roots. But the point is, okay, is that for most cases, except the NFL, lions are ferocious, okay? And so no one would think about having a pet lion roaming around the house. But while no one thinks about having a lion, guess what they do have in their house, right? They have cats. And some of you even just said awe a minute ago. I mean, somebody's like, aww. Okay, do you realize what you're looking at there? Okay, you're looking at a lion with an inferiority complex. You're looking at, this is the reason why cats hate people, okay? This is because, because they look at someone and they think, if I had, if I had the, the gene pool of my cousin, you would be lunch, but they understand that they aren't big enough to eat you, so they just knock stuff off the, top, the countertop instead. Rhonda, am I right? All right, okay. And so, so but we all have these, or a lot of people have these as cute, cuddly things. But this is the same thing, is that what we're dealing with sin is that because uh, of we, we think it's not that big of a deal or whatever, or we think it's cute and cuddly or it's, it's not that harmful, but given enough time, given enough growth, it will destroy you. Now, thankfully, for those of you who have cats, they're never going to get as big as a lion, all right? But you get the point. If it could grow larger, it would eat you. There are no limitations in how big our indwelling sin can grow. It will grow larger. It will grow more effective. It will grow more stronger. It is never satisfied. The sin that we carry around is never satisfied with just hanging out in one spot for a while, uh, for the long term. It may for a while, but it always wants to take more. So one of the dangers is to avoid is that we're, that we're even in a battle 
at all. And the other danger is that we think that this battle is going to be just a quick skirmish. Um, there's the danger of forgetting that we're at war, and the dangerous thing is, okay, I'm going to declare war on this, and then I'm going to defeat this, and we're going to move on, and it's going to be great. See, this victory and defeat mentality has, has really caused a lot of people a lot of angst because they realize, wait a minute, this isn't as easy as I thought. Uh, the, the first land battle of the Civil War was uh, the Battle of Bull Run, or as, uh, Manassas, whatever, depends on what side of the, the, the war you were on. But uh, um, this was the first land battle, and everyone thought it was going to be quick and easy. Everyone thought this whole Civil War thing was going to be pretty fast over to the people in the north. Um, in fact, uh, uh, they had, this is an artist's rendition of the day. Uh, I don't know if you can see, but down here on the side here, you got people with binoculars, a guy drawing a picture of it. You got a guy in a top hat. That's usually not the attire you wear in a war. Uh, but the reason why is because people were actually bringing picnic baskets to this, and they thought it was just going to be this quick little skirmish, and it was going to be over, and uh, uh, it would be done. It'd be an afternoon deal, and things would be fine. And, and they underestimated the enormity of the battle. They underestimated the the complexity of the war, and it shocked them. And I think we do that when we're talking about our own sin in our own life, is that we understand that this is not just a one-time decision of, okay, I'm no longer going to look at pornography, or I'm no longer going to lie, or no longer going to cheat, or I'm no longer going to get drunk, or I'm no longer going to... It's not just one type of decision, and then we move on and we're okay. It's like, you know, I'm going to get serious about this this time. No, this is a daily battle, a daily war. It's going to take a lot longer than we think. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Did you see that? Who are being transformed. I remind you of Hebrews chapter 10 again, I showed you earlier, who are being sanctified. This is a lifelong process that I'm asking us to embark on. I'm asking us to declare war on certain things this year, but the point is, is that it's not going to be over in a week. You're not going to face, you know, zero temptation any longer uh, if you fill out one of those cards. I'm not going to promise you that. But what I'm going to say is you're going to have people praying for you and helping you, and it's going to help you overcome these things and help you grow in these things in your sanctification. And how does that happen? Well, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It says, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, it's a transforming of the mind that we're talking about here. And that doesn't happen overnight. That's a lifelong journey that I'm asking us to join, to link arms with, join hands with, and walk down this road together of overcoming some of these struggles that we have. And it's going to take a whole different mindset. And that doesn't just happen in one day. It happens over time. And so the danger is that we think that this is going to be too quick and we're not digging in for the long battle. So when we're declaring war on your sin in 2020, do not forget that this will be a lifelong battle and that your sin will often masquerade as a peaceful cohabitor, okay? We cannot 
make those mistakes. So killing sin is a lifelong battle. But it also, secondly, and this is the final point, it requires spirit-dependent effort. Spirit-dependent effort. Now, for those of us who are, uh, uh, we, we, we embrace God's sovereignty, we embrace God's uh, power in this, whenever we talk about human effort, sometimes we can get a little uncomfortable, okay? But the point is, the Bible teaches it. And so we're, we're going to teach that because this is what the Bible talks about, that there is definitely human effort, but it's spirit-dependent effort. Let's look at this idea of spirit-dependent first. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 13, as we read earlier in the text. Did you notice it says, if, but if you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. But how does it say to do that in that text that I had you open to? It says, by the Spirit. It doesn't say by you really deciding that this is going to be the year. It doesn't say that you are doing the best that you can possibly be, and so then it's going to happen. It doesn't say even with an accountability partner that this is going to happen. It says, no, by the Spirit. I'm all for accountability. I'm all for having people, and I'm going to encourage you to do that. But that is not going to be the solution to overcoming sin in your life. It may be an, a, a part of the solution, but it's not the slam-dunk solution to it. Because we'll, we'll lie to people we're trying to be accountable to. We won't be honest. We won't be real with our feelings. We won't be real with our thoughts. We won't be real with our failures and our struggles. So the key to our effort has to be the spirit-dependent by the spirit. And part of that is the renewing of the mind that I just talked about, that renewal of our mind. And that can only come through spirit, the, the spirit's work in life. And so and we're going to talk about how that, the, what the spirit uses here in just a minute. But I said that killing sin requires spirit-dependent effort, so we have spirit-dependent, but it's also daily effort. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. If my memory serves me right, this was the text, the very first sermon I preached here uh, uh, back in 2012 was this text right here. I was asked to preach on this text. And therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own fear, your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? So you have to put the effort into this. You've got to work this out. You've got to grow in your Christian life. It takes effort to do it. It takes desire. It takes uh, 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 determination. It takes you deciding to do this. But the verse doesn't stop there. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you say, well, how does that work? You say, well, wait a minute here. There's got to be the spirit like God's doing the work, but then you've got to do the effort. How does that work together? Well, there's a mysterious union. As we're grown in Christ, as we are, are serving God, then the idea is that we are following him and that the Spirit of God is giving us the motivation, giving us the, the uh, energy to have the effort to grow in our spiritual walk. But the point is, is that we have to put the effort into it. The point is, is that we don't give up. There's a, a research study that was done recently you see, because in standardized math tests, they were finding that Japanese students were scoring higher than their American counterparts. And so some researchers were trying to figure out why this was. And some people were assuming it was just a natural proclivity towards mathematics, and that was the primary difference. But researchers, when they were, when they were trying to solve this problem, they found out that it was actually something else. 
Um, you see, they weren't really interested in whether or not the people, the children that they were studying could solve the problem. They gave them very difficult problems to solve. They simply wanted to see how long they would try before giving up on the problem. The American children lasted on an average of 9.47 minutes before they gave up. The Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes. In other words, these Japanese children tried 47% longer as that was contributing to the reason why they're scoring higher in math. This is not because they had higher intelligence, but they had more persistence. And I believe that's the same thing true as in our fight against sin. It's not so much that we're looking for the silver bullet that's going to give us, it's all of a sudden going to be easy then to no longer do the sins that we're struggling with or the, the heart attitudes, or what we're worshiping, or the idols that we have in our lives, or what is most important, uh, 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 people's approval, and people's acceptance, and all these type of things. It, it, it's not that there's going to be something that's going to happen that's just going to take that away. It's going to take a daily effort, powered by the Spirit here, but a daily effort on our behalf to, to see us grow in this area. See, I'm walking a tight line here. I know I'm walking a tight line here, but I've got to be honest with the scriptures here that the scriptures teach us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so it is, it is, um, it is something we have to work on each day, a daily effort. And I'll tell you, it's going to get harder before it's going to get easier. I don't know if you remember last week, I used an illustration about the canoe uh, and the current, and, and, and you don't really feel the force of the current when you're going with it. But if you decide to paddle against it, if you decide to resist the current, that is where you're going to feel the full force of the current. Now, let me tell you, we don't have, this is the same thing as true as sin in our heart. We will not know the sin in our heart's full power until we decide to get rid of it. And so I'm going to warn you, it's going to get harder before it gets easier. I don't say that to discourage you. I say it to be real with you so that we can, we can link arms and walk this path together. And so Kevin DeYoung, he said this, and this, this walking this line between God's enablement and, and depending on God and our effort, uh, Kevin DeYoung, who's a, a, a pastor, a theologian who I respect, he said this, yes, the Spirit empowers our pursuit of holiness. Yes, the gospel drives us towards Christ-likeness. Yes, faith fuels our obedience, but we still put forth the effort. And God's mercy does not automatically produce obedience. We must be told to obey and then go do it. God is the agent in our sanctification, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. He is the one making us holy, but we must pursue what is God's gift to us. That's what he says in his book, A Whole in Our Holiness, here. And so there's, there's a, there's a, a spirit-dependent effort that we have to be committed to if we're going to declare war on sin in 2020, to use last week's metaphor, if we're going to slay dragons this year. Now, how do we do this? Well, we concentrate on using the spirit's tools in effort to kill sin. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this. I'm actually just going to quote a 19th century theologian called J.C. Ryle who wrote a book called Holiness. And the two books I just recommended here, I just quoted from Kevin DeYoung's A Whole Inner Holiness. I, I encourage you to read that book. And also J.C. Ryle's book uh, called Holiness, um, again, is an excellent book uh, on, on the subject here. But this is what Ryle says. Um, and whenever someone has a beard that long, it must be true, right? So he said this, 
Sanctification is a thing which depends greatly on a diligent use of scriptural means. When I speak of means, I have in view Bible reading, private prayer, regular attendance on public worship, regular hearing of God's word, and regular reception of the Lord's Supper. I lay it down as a simple matter of fact that no one who is careless about such things must ever expect to make much progress in sanctification. You see, what he's saying is he's saying, look, these are the means, these are the tools. This is, uh, to switch metaphors, this is the conduit that the Spirit of God has designed for us to use to grow in our Christian walk. And so we've got the Bible, let's read the Bible. We've got prayer time, let's spend time praying. We've got our church attendance and coming together and, 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 ministering, and, and ministering with each other and to each other and, and hearing the Word, hearing songs sung, hearing the Scriptures read to us. We have the Lord's Supper, which we're going to observe here in just a few minutes here. These are all means that the Holy Spirit uses to help us in our spiritual growth. And I'm telling you, it works. I can't tell you how many times I have been struggling with sin. I've been struggling with my own difficulties. I, I, I feel like giving up at times, okay? I feel like just saying it's not worth it. And I stand right there and I'm listening to singing. And there's something that you all sing and something that you all sing. And there's a scriptural truth that the Spirit of God just impresses upon my heart. It says, no, it's worth it. Or I stand at the table and I'm breaking the bread and you're coming up to the table and we're interacting with each other and then we eat and drink together because we're reminded of what Christ has done for us. We're reminded that this is what we need in order for us to live this life and for us to uh, uh, have eternity with him. It's not, it's not saving us, but it's reminding us of, of the hope that we have and the love that God has shown to us that he did not spare his own son. Okay, he, he didn't spare his own son for your holiness. He didn't say, well, you know what? I kind of like Rob, but I like my son more. And so we're going we're gonna to just not even worry about Rob and we're going to let my son live. He says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my son die for Rob. You see, this works because it's the Spirit's tools. But you see, what happens is, is these are the very things we resist against. We resist coming together. We resist having a meaningful celebration. Sometimes it's like, let's get it over. So it's quick. We're looking at the clock and let's, you know, moving on. And oh, man, he preached so long today and all this stuff. And the point is, and yeah, maybe I need to keep it shorter, but the point is, is that we got to stop and see what God's doing here, right? And, and, and praying together and reading the scriptures. If I were, if, if I were to take a survey, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll move it for outside our church. If I were to take a survey of evangelicalism today and say, how much time do you spend reading your Bible every week? It will be very low, Okay. We're talking, you know, maybe two, three times a day for five minutes. You think, really? Yeah, really. Now, some of you may not be shocked by that because maybe I just described you. Now, I'm not trying to beat you up. But what I am trying to say is, how do we think that we're going to declare war on sin? How do you think that we're going to grow in our Christian life if we're not taking advantage of what God's given to us? It's not going to happen. And so part of declaring war is using the Spirit's tools that he's given to us. 
and saying, okay, I'm going to trust you that this actually works, rather than having our own minds and our own thinking on this. And then I don't have time, but we could get into uh, Colossians chapter 3. And, and if you're taking notes, write down Colossians 3, 1 through 12, okay? And so this is the passage, and then Ephesians chapter 4 would be another one. So Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4. This is the time where, where, where Paul is writing, talking about putting off and putting on. This is the effort that we're talking about, spirit-dependent effort, that we need to remove some things from our lives and we need to put on. So we need to remove some things that are distracting us from holiness and putting on things that are going to draw our attention to God. Okay, And so this is that effort that we need to have. You know, as what I'm describing here is not, I don't want to describe that this is like a 50-50 relationship. God has to do his deal, I do my deal, and then, you know, we'll make this happen. Spirit-dependent action, and I was trying to think of an illustration for this, and I don't know if this is great or not, and every illustration breaks down at some point, but this is what I came up with, is that spirit-dependent action can be likened to car racing. Um, The power is in the car, not in the driver. The driver is not going to sprint his way to a trophy at the race, okay? So the power is in the car. The means to win the race are the tools of the race. So the, the, the car, the fuel, the track. He, a driver can't just decide to go wherever he wants. He's got to follow the course. That's how the, you win the race. That's the means to win the race, by following what, what, what that, the, the parameters of that. I, I don't bring an RV to a race course and watch a race and then expect to get a trophy at the end of it, right? Because I'm not using the parameters. I'm not in the parameters of the race. But I still need to drive the car at the end of the day. So the power's all in the car. The power's there. The, the parameters have been set forth. But someone's got to get in that car and he's got to drive it. And the driver has to do it. And that's where the human effort comes in. I understand illustration breaks down. At, at, at all of them do. And some of you are probably identifying some holes in it right away. But hopefully you're seeing the big picture of it. The big picture is, is that the power is not in you and it's not in me. It's in God. But we have to have effort in this. And that's what I'm asking. Are you willing to put effort into this this year? Are you willing to put effort into eradicating sin in our lives? And so I'll say this, is that you must consistently use the tools of the Spirit in your war on sin in 2020. You must consistently use the tools of the Spirit in the war on sin in 2020. This is, as we talked about, the Bible reading, the prayer, the meditation, the, the fellowship with believers, Lord's Supper, all these type of things. So I started with this statement. Killing sin is a lifelong battle of self-dependent, or excuse me, spirit-dependent effort. It's a lifelong battle. Dig in. I'm not trying to be discouraging. I'm trying to be real. I'm trying to say we can do this together. We can do this in God's strength and in God's power. But it's going to be a long battle. Don't forget that we're in war. Don't think it's going to be just an easy thing. Depend on the Spirit, but put the effort into it. As I often do, give some homework here. And let me encourage you. There's more cards 
uh, and the back table and the, and the welcome table, these declaring war on, there's a blank in 2020. Just write something that maybe you've been thinking about for last week. I asked you to be thinking about that. Um, some people uh, submitted online in the anonymous survey that we put. Uh, if you wanted a link to that, I can give you a link to that. Um, but uh, if you write on there, put it inside the uh, offering box that's there, then uh, uh, we'll eventually get it. There's, don't put your name on it unless you want your name attached to it. Uh, but don't put your name on it. We're not expecting anyone to do that. And uh, this is the way we can be praying for each other on this. So let me encourage you to do that. What has God pressed upon your heart in the last week, okay, about what to declare war on this year? What is he impressing on you even now as we're speaking? Then ask yourself these two questions. Am I willing to make killing dragons a daily priority in 2020? Why or why not? Okay, am I willing to make killing dragons a daily priority in 2020? Why or why not? And then the last question is, what tools of the Spirit am I neglecting? I, when, when I struggle with sin, I can always go back to some things that I'm just neglecting. A lot of times it's Scripture. A lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm reading the Scripture because I've got to teach it, but I'm not reading it for my own soul. I've got to confess that it's sin and, and, and go back to, to the Scriptures that way. Prayer time, Bible memory, um, church attendance, I don't know what it is, but what is it that you're neglecting? These are some things that could be helpful as you declare war and sin this year. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to look at this, this text on all these texts, really. It's a little bit different type of a sermon today, but I pray that it had been helpful. Um, I pray that what you've encouraged my soul with, that I wouldn't just give this to everyone else and then not do anything else with it. So I publicly pray that I would continue to work on, on uh, areas of sin in my life, and I pray that every person here would make it a priority to, to slay dragons, to kill sin in 2020, that we would follow the strategy of, that you have set for us in the Scripture. So thank you that we have this, and uh, I pray that you would receive all glory and honor. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.